When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back to Humans of Speedway and another chance to hear the Speedway Paradise selections of one of British Speedway's most prolific promoters, Neil Machin. He presided over 649 meetings at Sheffield before then being involved in Leicester and uh, he's also the godparent of Ty Woofenden. It's a rich story. You can hear the full story in episode four of Humans of Speedway but this is the bit right at the very end where he chooses his dream meeting. The dream location, uh, the dream team, and also maybe one or two rules that you might change as well. He's got some very strong opinions on the future of British Speedway too. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Speedway paradise of Neil Machin. But before we got involved in the nitty-gritty of his dream team and everything else, we start by looking back at what his highlights of his career were. Quite a few of them, actually. In, in terms of key... Um to spend 28, to operate within the BSBA for 28 years is in itself, in my world, a, 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 an achievement. Um, um, bolted into that, everybody got paid as per their deal. Uh, if you ever come across anybody who tells you that I owed them a penny, then you can safely call them a liar. Um, that was always top of my um agenda shall we say um my team and the bspa got paid when i didn't and that happened many many times not complaining that's how it was um as we said earlier no one got crippled or worse um i stayed 649 meetings um and um and actually i have to say that um a, a, a major surprise um going back to a few years now five six years whatever uh, i was actually voted by the referees to receive um the jeff dolby award which is a sort of a an award that's um that's presented on an annual basis jeff dolby being a former scb referee who sadly died um an award was left in his memory to allocate to to, uh, to a, a person who made a contribution to the industry and um, shock and uh, surprise, um, I was awarded the Jeff Dolby Award. And um, and when I looked at the, the role of honour of people whose names was on that trophy, um, I, I was I was moved. I was humbled by it um, to be recognised by, you know, by the SCB and its referees who voted that my name should appear on the Jeff Dolby Award might be something that you've never heard of. To me, it was an, an a, tr a tremendous achievement. Obviously, 
Um, winning two league championships, knockout cups, all the rest of it. Um, the league championships uh, are the are, are the biggie. Um, after the league championship, you know, if you, if you can't become the league champion, then you want to win the knockout cup or the, the young shield or, or the, whatever it's called these days. Um, but hey, two league championships, okay. Uh, you might say, well, two league championships in 22 years ain't that good a batting average. <laughs> maybe I would agree with that. But hey, to win two was a hell of a lot better than anything in the, the, the previous history of Sheffield Speedway. Um, and, um, and of course, I, I had tremendous proud and achievement um, winning the first one in 99, 70 years after Sheffield first set foot in um um in as a speedway venue so um yeah lots of achievements lots of uh, relationships with riders um all over the planet um we still those relationships uh although most people are retired now um they um continue um and um what a journey uh i have to say uh what a fantastic journey and, uh, and and of course the journey continues. Uh, I, I have no idea what happens next, what happens next year, what happens this year, um, or the year after. Um, but what a journey! And um, I can only relate to the positive aspects of that journey, even though, as you can well appreciate, there was its um, its negative uh, aspects as well. But we tend to um, focus on the more positive stuff, don't we? Well, they're talking about Bradford making a comeback. Would you would you be interested? Uh, no, I'm uh, I'm retired. I'm yesterday's man. Um, I wouldn't have the uh, enthusiasm or the energy that I had when I was forty years old. Um, I, I have to say that um, I've been um, supporting and assisting Robbie Grant to to get into Newcastle. Um, Really, because I see lots of attributes in Robbie Grant and his acquisition of Newcastle. Um, I see lots of attributes I, 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 it, um, that I had when I was his age, or, or slightly older, shall we say. Mm -hmm. So, um, no, I, uh, I, I wish the Bradford thing luck. I know that there's going to be all sorts of issues to actually get uh, Bradford to the tapes again, as it were. I know that Tony Moll spent a a small fortune in investigating Bradford, um, and he drew a blank. Uh, whether Steve Reese has got some different criteria, well, that remains to be seen. And of course, Steve Reese is under pressure as a stock car promoter because, um, as you know, he's lost Stoke. There are strong indications he's going to lose uh, Bellevue. And um, He's looking for a venue, and uh, maybe Bradford being on his doorstep is um, is something that Steve Reese is going to pursue. And uh, let's see. Uh, what one yeah. thing I do know is that Bradford will not be able to exist specifically purely on stock cars. So uh, if if it's going to have a blueprint of success in any way commercially, um, they're going to need some speedway in there at at some level. Um, I don't know much about the uh, the nuts and bolts of it, but I have heard the same noises about Bradford. We'll keep an eye on that, and it will be great if, if that could get off the ground for sure. You are listening to the Humans of Speedway podcast. I'm Ian Brannan, and this, Neil, could be, well, your, your final promotion then, because it's time to do your Speedway paradise. We're going to come up with your ultimate meeting. 
and we're going to find out your one to seven of all time. Uh, we're going to find out which rule you would change, but we're going to start off by asking you, Neil, which track would we be racing this ultimate meeting of yours on? Well, I'd have to say Sheffield because it is the fastest racetrack in British Speedway because um, because I've sort of grown up in that venue it's probably had more investment in that venue than all the rest of the tracks in in the industry in British Speedway. Uh, I'd have to say Sheffield. Having said that, um, the most prolific racing you will ever see um, is actually a track that Rob Wuffingham built in West Australia some some years ago, um, as Ty was being a young bloke doing his first laps. Um, and Pinjar Park is creates what what i would suggest is speedway for the connoisseur and um very very different the two the two venues i mentioned sheffield being the fastest track in british speedway um pinjar park uh, well it, i don't think it would even qualify to be in british speedway because it's a very very small costa mesa type venue um but entertaining uh, the paying public and giving them close uh, exciting racing that they understand uh, really uh, I suppose was always uh, my objective So not a huge surprise then, the event's going to be at Sheffield of course, where else for Neil Machin um, what about your all time 1-7 to seven then Neil? I know that you've given it some great thoughts already Well I have and and people will say well it's easy to pick a team full of, of, um, of um, former world champions and you'd be absolutely right <laughs> I'll just run through them very, very briefly. Go on, then. Obviously, my uh, my list would have to start with Ty Wuffin and the most successful British Speedway rider in the history. And he's my godson. <laughs> so <laughs> I think course. I have to be allowed that that uh, indiscretion, shall we say. Bruce Pennall, the, the consummate, uh, uh, well, the pin-up boy. You know, he'd got it all. We, we failed to maximise the effect of having Penol uh, in British League, but hey, what colour and, and profile did he bring to the industry? I think he's probably the only Speedway rider in ever to receive telegrams from the president of the US uh, on becoming world champion. Ivan Major would have to be in that, that, um, that identified in that list. Um, total professional. What a fantastic character to deal with. Um, obviously, uh, he always knew his value. He brought sponsors and corporates into into World Speedway, and um, who could ever create a list of this kind without including the great Ivan Major? Uh, I have Greg Bartlett and Roman Matusek on my list because Greg Bartlett was the unfulfilled um, um, potential. Uh, he rode in British League for two years. He could have gone all the way. I spent lots of time with Greg. He's an engine tuner. He's uh, a very, very solid, reliable character. And he could have gone all the way in World Speedway. But, hey, um, that didn't happen. Um, but in terms of prolific from zero to hero in two years, um, not many riders will will come in as a novice and the following year be taking... Uh, Sam Ermolenko from behind at Sheffield. Uh, that was Greg's potential. Rome Tusek saved my bacon. Uh, he was the entertainer. Uh, 
he was the, uh, the, the, the villain uh, in general terms. He was considered by many people to be the villain, but he entertained my public. And once we, uh, if we get, ever get away from entertaining our patrons, then we are in trouble. Uh, Peter Collins would have to be on my list because um, Peter uh, became world champion in 76. Um, and uh, Peter was always box office. If you'd got him uh, in a meeting anywhere in, in, in his heyday, uh, he, would, he would swell the crowd. Um, and of course, how could I um, not include Greg Hancock? Because um, Greg has really uh, rewritten the record books with every time he threw his leg over a bike in the last uh, couple of seasons anyway. Um, turned 50 the other day, did Greg. Uh, known him since he was a, a, a probably a 16 or 17 year old, go back a long way. Tr tremendous respect for Greg. Uh, what a fantastic uh, profile for, for World Speedway. Um, and of course, all of these people on my list have a, uh, you may say, well, it's obvious that you're going to include people who've got 16 world championships between them, which I, <laughs> which I have done. Um, but commercially, good business. Speedway is a business. And the people who think it's a Saturday night toy, think again, get into promoting Speedway and get into growing the business. So a lineup of all stars at Sheffield for your ultimate meeting. But now here's the exciting one for you, Neil. We'll give you the rule book. Which rule is the one that you're going to change? Well, actually, there are two. <laughs> go on then. I'll let you have two. Off you go. Gardening at the start is an embarrassment to the industry uh, and could very, very easily uh, be stopped. And if you were to draw a line three metres back from the start line and nobody moves into that line uh, prior to being under starters' orders, then you'd stop all that gardening, getting off bikes, kicking shale. It's all an embarrassment to me and I think it is to our paying public. Okay. Uh, and, and I think and I think it's a pretty easy fix if we were serious about it. And um, I think it should be compulsory for every team in British Speedway um, to wear the corporate gear. And if a sponsor's put in two quid or two grand or 20 grand, doesn't matter. Uh, every team should have its identity and should be dialed in totally to who uh, who their sponsor's identity is. And it should be uh, within every contract and it should be compulsory. And it might just give us a more professional uh, outlook to the outside world. Yeah, it's a very good point. Because I think, you know, the teams that do all match, might, the Polish teams, for example, do it, don't they? And it does look great. Well, not just teams. I mean, obviously, team members become the focal point. But dressing your track staff, projecting your sponsor's identity through your... You know, we've all got 30 track staff or 25 track staff or something. What a fantastic opportunity we have to project our sponsor's identity. Very mm. few tracks do that. You can't tell the track staff from the, you know, from the from the uh, paying public. So I just think that we ought to sharpen up lots of those. And, and you know, 
we're talking about presentation aspects here. Um, the one thing that disappoints me in Speedway in general terms is the presentation. Um, you look at any Grand Prix, wherever it is, uh, the presentation is superb. It's something that's obviously had some investment. And you look at most of the domestic presentation and it's pretty tosh. Uh, desperately needs some present some some investment and definitely needs a fresh pair of eyes to actually bring it up to where are we 2020 let's get into 2021 and stop uh, stop messing around as though we're in the mid 70s eh? neil machin and his speedway paradise he's always such a good speaker and he speaks so well all about speedway so passionate and so enthusiastic and if you've not listened to the full neil machin episode yet there's a full hour and a half of uh, neil's wit and wisdom uh, and it's episode four of humans of speedway from june earlier in uh, 2020 and through that he talks all about discovering speedway because his story is quite fascinating because he's one of the few that uh, that i've spoken to that didn't really have family links with speedway he was introduced to it by a friend and obviously got very much involved in it then not before long being uh, rob woofenden's mechanic and then taking over sheffield and it's a fascinating story check it out for yourself at some point uh, when you get chance of course and another new episode of humans of speedway to come in the next seven days it will be with kelvin tatum and you're in for a treat there and plus he'll be choosing his speedway paradise and building his own dream meeting as well so find out what kelvin would pick in that next episode in the series coming soon on humans of speedway sports social podcast network